Hello, everyone, and welcome to week seven of our podcast. Um, it's week seven. It's been 10 days since we recorded the last podcast. Uh, how's your week been since then, John Boy? Yeah, pretty busy, but I've um, been recovering from working on a, um, a very hard show called Secret Cinema. Um, but yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Now tell the people what they're really interested in hearing. What did you have for breakfast? <laughs> pastry, of course. Can't go wrong with a good pastry. Very true. So our film of the week this week, um, I don't think we need to say because I think we've mentioned this twice previously in two other podcasts, um, that it was the BFG. Um, and for those of you who don't know what it's about, it's an adaptation of a Roald Dahl book about a big, friendly giant mm. who, in fact, refuses to eat children, unlike his contemporaries. Yes, this is true. And that is why he is friendly. It's not the only reason he's friendly. He is a very personable character as well, I would say. Definitely, yeah. 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 Um, it stars Mark Rylance as the eponymous character, the BFG, um, Ruby Barnhill as Sophie, the young orphan whom he befriends, Penelope Wilton as the queen, and Penelope Wilton is uh, famous for such films as Calendar Girls, as you were saying. She played Sean's mum in Shaun of the Dead she as did. well. Yes, it was um, fantastic in that. She's better known. Which is another um, thing. Better known, obviously, as a, as a face on British TV for a very, very long time. But yeah, she's fantastic. And actually, um, Rafe Spall is in this, as well as Mr. Tibbs, who's the Queen's assistant. And Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live is in this as the blood bottler who is one of the scary giants. Yeah, you know, he um, is, he's so kind of good in that that you don't actually sort of recognise that it's He's him. very good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know the end, yeah. So it's directed by Steven Spielberg and it's written by Melissa, Melissa Matheson. Um, we've, written, we've mentioned those two names before as well in reference to the BFG. Um, and I don't know what we should start by... I'll start by talking about the score, which really stood out for me, the John Williams score. Um, I thought it was kind of okay, yeah. um, very much, it was harking back to the old way of, of doing this film score where it very much was in synchronicity with the action. And mm. it really felt like an old style, old fashioned film sc score, which was refreshing to, to hear. And I think that really stood out for me. Um, I think another thing that stood out was of course, Mark Rylance's performance in this, which was superb. Um, I think we can both agree on that. Um, it was very expressive in his eyes and his face, despite being full of motion capture and full, yeah, and it was completely CGI'd. He's a highlight. He's a, well, he is the, he is the highlight. I mean, um, well, there's lots of highlights, but yeah, he he is fantastic. Yeah, I think this film probably stands out as one of the better Roald Dahl adaptations. It probably stands out with Nick Rogue's Witches, and also it stands out with Matilda, the star of which was Mara Wilson, who has been compared to Penelope Barnhill by The Guardian. But although I said last week that I didn't like the CGI in Ghostbusters, there's always a danger that it looks too polished and shiny, but I did think the CGI here served the story and worked very well. Well, I think it... it <clears throat> It, it was the world, wasn't it, really? I mean, it, it wasn't like there was like a CGI effect in the film. Mm. I think he incorporated the motion capture and um, uh, worlds that were drawn within the computer, but they were also, it was a combination. He also used sets. So he combined, he combined motion yes, capture yeah, work yeah, on yes, stage yeah, with, yeah. with uh, Mark Reliance and he combined sets and he did digital 
upgrading to the sets and I think that he's um unlike Tintin. I love I really enjoy Tintin. Um but there's a lot of good points made about it because it, it's it has a kind of soulless feel about it in parts, but it's because it's entirely done um with motion capture and in, in within a computer. Whereas this really works because you've got yeah. a real live performance from um Ruby Barnhill. Um and so it yeah, it feels less, you know, detached. Um, and that's purely down to Spielberg, I think, learning. Learning mm. from Tintin, um, learning from his previous mistakes, you know, the, why it works. But, yeah. Uh, and there's some pretty good action sequences in this as well. Um, uh, well, actually, well, um, towards the end, yeah. But there's... Helicopter um, attacks mm. and, and vehicular roller skating. Yeah, um, there's there's two big set pieces, but I don't think that for me that that wasn't the highlight of the movie. You know, for me the highlight of the movie was this, was the uh, the first hour when um, Sophie and the BFG uh, are together and they get they're becoming friends and all all of that interaction there was the highlight for me. Um, and they're such they're such great characters, um, and they're they're great characters in 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 Roald Dahl's book, but. They're so brilliantly, they're brilliantly brought to life. The Guardian has said that the that Ruby Barnhill embodies um, the crucial combination of innocence and strength um, for mm. this character, which mm. actually, um, I think that's quite an astute point because I think she's actually she actually teaches the BFG quite a lot about yeah. about uh, life and there was experience. An interesting she teaches point. him yeah. to be strong, but yeah. um, I think that um, at the same time her performance wasn't. It seemed a bit too. It seemed a bit a little over the top for me. Um, okay. The performance of the actor herself, but she hasn't been derided for it in any way, sense or form. No, I don't. By I don't anyone, think so. I uh, think I think she had a nice combination of, like, say, look, sternness and you mm. know, uh, uh, subtlety and um, yeah, you're right. It's interesting to see who is the father figure. Um, is it? Mm. Is it? Um, you know, is it Ruby's character? Um, is it? Sophie, is it Sophie? Or is it the BFG? There's a little bit of both in them, and once again, yeah, that's why it's so know, touching because they're yeah. teaching each other a lot of things. And exactly. It's a very, it's quite yeah. an equal relationship, which is um, the heart of Roald Dahl's novel. But, but Spielberg is he's really nailed it, and I think the reason he's nailed it so well is because there's a reoccurring film theme for all of Spielberg's works, and that's that's loss of um, a father figure, um, and sort of loss of a childhood. So, because we, we know, as we know. Um, it's, it's written, the screenplay is written by Melissa Matheson who did E.T. and it shares a really strong narrative link to E.T. There's these two, there's these two lost souls that are bonding, you know, with each other as yes. a, as Elliot yeah, did with yeah, E.T. Yeah. And E.T. is Bilbo's most personal movie because of when he was growing up. You know, his father, you know, he didn't have a regular relationship with his father. You know, the, He was the, bullied at school as well. Yeah, and they, yeah. He, his father left, you know. Um, there was a lot of, like, you know, unrest in his family. And um, it's a recurring theme for all of Spielberg's films, fatherhood. And I think that's why um, this adaptation works better than Tintin. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a very personal thing for him and... Um, yeah, it's it's a joy to watch. It's all about the details as well, mm, and I think oh, absolutely, I yeah. think r mm. in Roald Dahl's book mm. as well, you enjoy the details. Like when he went to the Queens, the his table was set up with with four grandfather clocks, 
and it was just really it was a joy to see how they served him food they they got two ladders out to climb the table um, that's and, a great sequence and yeah. his yeah they, they brought on a big plate of of hundreds of mm. eggs for mm. him and what was his fork i think his fork was actually a, a pitchfork from the garden yeah. his spoon yes. was a yes. spade yeah. and it just yeah. i really enjoyed the little details um well, this that, is all obviously as know, well you enjoy that in roald yeah, dahl's book yeah well. exactly it's all um, roald dahl's stuff but spielberg mm. interprets it so brilliantly yeah, it's, yeah. it's such a funny sequence and um Pen- penelope walton obviously adds to it being cast as the queen um uh ralph's sport adds to it as mr tibbs he has a great comedy beat when he's trying to um maintain composure yes um on 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 the walkie-talkie but that's exactly what from the book that's exactly the same tone tone yeah yeah yeah. so uh, this is this is somebody who's not grown up in in england but spielberg he attempted it before with hook i don't personally think that hook was entirely successful but he did capture that english sense See, of we humor. disagree on that because i quite yeah. like hook this is um, much better but, than hook but but it, but it also has he, his ability to capture the english sense of humor and the english um you know lifestyle and you know in the early the early scenes um you know when the fg you know first sort of takes uh, sophie away as there it's like a mixture of sort of you know Old London, you know, and, yeah. and modern London. Yeah, yeah. And the, the lighting is yeah. great. He uses he uses um, his uh, source light, which he always uses in all these movies to create really great. It's, it's almost like yeah. Dickensian London. Yeah, Dickensian London. Yeah. yeah, and um, there's fantastic scenes when the VFG's hiding um, from the world, and um, the direction there from Spielberg is just completely brilliant. As mm. usual, but um, oh yeah, it's mm. very it's very yeah. good when he's hiding and stuff. Yeah, the, yeah. the elaborate ways that he yeah, hides exactly. and um, how that's choreographed yeah. with people coming I mean, past as well. It's yeah. it's interesting because he, he he's using his skill with with framing and lighting, but he's he's also um, using his his newly discovered skill with with um, with mocap and digital effects. And mm. um, I think it's actually his most successful use of that technology since he started using it with Tintin. So welcome, 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 and welcome, and welcome to Screen 101. This is a section that makes our broadcast unique. Um, very unique. Very, very unique. Uh, and it was, it's what gives it its name. Especially that introduction. Um, uh, yeah, and I just wanted to give it a really good introduction um, because I know that this is the section everyone looks forward to, John. Yes. You know, this is why they listen. Very unique. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is why they listen. It's a true. Anyway. Um, so anyway, <laughs> the first film we're going to talk about is Suicide Squad, uh, starring Will Smith, Margot Robbie, uh, Gerard Leto. I think Ben Affleck is also in this um, as, well, Batman. as Batman. He's reprising yes. his role yeah. as Batman. Um, no one knows exactly how yet, but he is. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's got an all-star cast, and uh, we're we've just seen the trailer. John, thoughts? Nick, uh, good thoughts. All lovely, cozy thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's had a lot of, you know, things talked about, whether there's been so many trailers, they've gone back to put all the jokes in the trailers, and apparently they're all the jokes from the film. But um, 
what's most interesting to me is is Jared Leto's interpretation of the Joker. I'm looking forward to see what, what he's done with that. So that yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It looks very funny. Um, at the same time, it looks action packed as well. Um, it looks very violent. Um, Margot Robbie is um, quite looked yeah. Harley Quinn. She yeah. looks quite generic in the role. Um, I don't think she brings anything particularly special to that role. Um, That's actually quite a good point because if you if you've seen some of the animation of the, of the of her in sort of the Batman stuff and you played maybe the Arkham games, um, uh, there's better kind of quirkier interpretations of Harley Quinn so far. She's so, very yeah. generic um, looking and very generic, um, I think. Yeah, uh, Margot sort of Robbie. But but Joe um, Letters but, Joker but looks interesting. I just want to say I loved the dark. I loved the Dark Knight. Okay, um, and I loved Heath Ledger and. Um, I just um, it's a tough act. It's part of the reason. And Batman versus Superman wasn't didn't live up to my <laughs> expectations in any way. So I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed I really Ben Affleck. I enjoyed yeah. Ben Affleck's interpretation of Batman. The, mm. the, a lot of the, a lot of that movie is bad. I enjoyed Ben Affleck's interpretation, interpretation of Batman. Yeah. Is like closer to I didn't enjoy the to, film, but, um, to you know Miller's Dark Knight, and so you know yeah we'll see what happens in this. All right. So is this a keep or bin for you, John? It's a keep. It's a keep. Oh, that's surprising. Okay, so we've got one keep so far. Okay, the next thing film we're going to look at um, is a bit more serious. I uh, I would say, well, very much more serious. A lot more serious. Um, yeah, um, it's a documentary called The Confession, um, distributed by Dogworth, which specialises in documentaries, as we said before. Um, it uh, focuses on Mozam Beg, um, who has experienced the generation of conflict. Uh, the f- confession captures the entirety of Begg's story from his forced confession and testimony as a free man to his experience as a British Muslim and living the war on terror. It, it covers quite a lot of, um, mm. a lot of um, hist- hist- uh, modern history um, in that sense. Um, actually, it's interesting because the music in this film is, is um, composed by Nitan Sawney, who's a very famous Indian-British composer. Um, and it has joint funding from BBC Storyville um, and Creative England, and it's also got funding from the B- BFI. Yeah, it's I think. From the BFI, which is good. Um, so it's a, I think it's quite a, a British, a British money hmm. behind this. Anyway, it's directed by Ashish Gadali, um, uh, and it's produced by Vivian Steele. John, hmm. thoughts. Um. Yeah, really interesting. Um, I liked the. Um, it's really playing with the the um, established uh, opinion that um, it's very black and white. And obviously, it's not very black and white. So this should be very interesting. Yeah, yeah it did look mm. a bit. It also quite looked a bit. Um, there were some scenes in it that were uncomfortable to watch. Definitely, Let's yeah. Say, there was um, some footage that you know that was very disturbing of sort of people being held captured and you know, interrogated. So, as we know, this is a very, very sore subject. Even yeah. now, you know, I mean, even now, there's still so, so much hatred toward Tony Blair, and so yeah. This is, yeah, this actually, be, that's a good, quite a good point. Now that um, the Chilcot require, yeah. uh, inquiry has recently been published, yeah, this is got, even more touching subject. Hook, and, yeah. um, so, um, George yeah. Galloway actually made a film about Tony Blair yeah. called yeah. The Killings of Tony Blair that had its premiere yeah. in London recently. Oh, really? Um, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it should so, be a very captivating documentary. Yeah. Yeah. So is this a bin or keep for it's you, John? Keep, of course, yeah. Another keep. So this week. Two out of two again. So this week we're going to do something a little bit different as well. We're going to include a new section. As it's mid-year, I felt that it was prudent to come up with a list of our top 10 films of 2016 so far. And John, 
you've been accommodating and come up with a list. I have You've been more than happy to do that. Um, and I think you've got a lot to say. So, without further ado, let's reveal the list let's do to, it. The, let's to, do the, it. to the public okay. and publish this for discussion. Yeah, like a countdown. So, right? yeah. yeah, your countdown. So, number 10. <laughs> what is the 10th best film of the year? It's number 10 yeah. being the worst and number one being, being the, the top best. film of your, yes. the year. But all these films are obviously good. Otherwise, you wouldn't have put them in well, the top course, ten. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So number ten. Number ten is Captain America: uh, Civil War. Explain. Explain your choice. Um, <laughs> well, pretty much everything you can want from a superhero movie, and Paul Rudd. I mean, as we know, I talked about this earlier um, in our very f- first podcast. Um, so I don't think I need to say any more on that. Um, yep. Captain so, America: Civil War. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number nine. Number nine is Deadpool. Um, obviously Wowza that is a good film I would agree with that choice well you know I'm a big superhero movie fan but I feel as if these are the two best out of the year so far uh, Batman vs Superman was a yeah. was a fa- interesting failure um, <laughs> Deadpool is great I mean it's proof A that Ryan Reynolds can be funny and uh, B that our rated superhero movies can be fun and violent and, and this nearly and, didn't and get naughty. made as well so yeah, yeah exactly and Yep, so, um, yep. Uh, All right, number eight. It's The Nice Guys, um, which we did review on the podcast. Good Um, choice, good choice. Shane Black hitting levels of perfection with his wit and direction. Brilliant comedy performance from Ryan Gosling. Brilliant, okay, good choice. And number seven. Number seven is The Room. Um, which yeah, I really enjoyed so much. Okay. Um, I have it, a problem with the room because of the ending and the over sentimentalization of that film. Really? I think yeah, it could have yeah. it could have been a lot darker, and I think it was a dark concept. I thought um, well, especially, yeah. and I think that they did something with Dogtooth that was much more had a lot more substance there. But mm. um, we can talk about that yeah. later. You could well, go, go. Why did you like it, John? Right, for me, for me, it, it felt unique to me. Um, mm. it, it, it moved me. I. I, I was literally in, in floods of tears, and it, it, it came from a from a single line, um, uh, from the uh, the child actor that played the boy to, um, it it was just felt really unique. Brie Larson is fantastic in it. Yeah, so yes. good. I mean, like she's suddenly became one of my favorite actresses. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it felt unique. It felt moving. It, you know, I I thought I felt that the dark undertones were, were very much there for me. I'm okay. surprised you didn't feel that. So number six, John. The Wonderful The Witch, which um, the witch. I've never seen wow. a movie like um, divide opinions so much. I saw it with a couple of friends of mine who absolutely hated it. I, It's something completely terrifying for me. Um, and it's due to mainly a complete immersion in unconventional methods where, you know, the director has taken his time to really research... Um, the history of the period, and to be a proper folktale, the dialogue is told in a in a in a folktale fashion. It feels like you're watching something you shouldn't be watching. It's deeply scary. It and the performance is amazing. The atmosphere is is tangible. You can almost you know touch the atmosphere. Brilliant film. Thanks for that, John. Thanks mm. for including an independent film there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And your number five, we're is, midway now, yeah, is what? Good Night Mummy, which is an, which is another film that probably no one's seen, but it's um, a fantastic um, horror thriller. It's um, a German language film. Um, but um, like the best horror thrillers, it's deeply disturbing um, and completely captivating. 
So that's good night, mummy, just to recap. So our top five so far. Number 10, Captain America, Civil War. Number nine, Deadpool. Number eight, The Nice Guys. Number seven, Room. Number six, The Witch. Number five, Good Night Mummy. What's your number four? We're getting into the top five now. And your number four is... Number four is Victoria, um, which was is a great, great film. Um, it's uh, quite famously now a film ordered in one take uh, in a night in Berlin. Um, it's a daring technique. Um, it's mind-blowing, but it also, also owes a lot to uh, brilliant natural, naturalistic performances. Um, so yeah just out of curiosity John do you prefer this or Birdman which do you think was more successful I, I would say Victoria oh okay that's interesting yeah it's something pure about it it's it's also about how life can just take you in completely random directions which was really relatable I've had I've had similar nights not, not exactly similar nights yeah, but yeah. similar <laughs> nights where similar you know you, you end up just yeah. going with the flow and you end up in places you don't expect to go so that was really good okay interesting so number three uh, Embrace of the Serpent which is one of our podcasts just, yes. just great obviously you both agree on this um, yeah it's great um, but it's, I'm interested that you chose it as number three because mm. it's it's maybe not quite a masterpiece yet it's it's scratching the surface yes but yeah. it's not quite um, um, well it's both both a dream and a nightmare in my in my opinion um, it does owe a lot to other classics but that doesn't mean it hasn't got a lucidity of its own it's it's, it's own mm. little personal dream and nightmare and, and it's it's something that you can take on its own and it's really original really good stuff I think it's definitely worth seeing definitely. Yeah. so your number two is what would be the wonderful Neon Demon yes <laughs> of course um, pure filmmaking perfection every level I still can't really find anything wrong with it I love Nicholas Wine and just to just to know. give the listeners uh, an idea of uh, John's notes all it says for the Neon Demon is pure filmmaking perfection on every level, on every level. that's all yeah. it says yeah, 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 yeah. that's all you've written yeah. for the Neon Demon like, that's enough said enough basically, said, basically. <laughs> we talked about it so much but we mm. know that we know the levels that we talked about and those are, that's what I'm referring to I'm referring to those levels that we mentioned in the podcast where everything just works so John just a quick recap number two Neon Demon Number three, Embrace of the Serpent. Number four, Victoria. Number five, Good Night, Mummy. Number six, The Witch. Number seven, The Room. Number eight, The Nice Guys. Number nine, Deadpool. Number ten, Captain America: Civil War. What is your number one, the best film of the year so far, John? The big reveal is which? Drumroll, please. Anomalisa. Um, Anomalisa. Anomalisa. Um, yeah, Charlie Kaufman's um, uh, animation. Um, stop animation oh god I saw it earlier in the year before we started recording the podcast mm. um, what can you say I mean <laughs> it's so moving and it's also a beautiful example of how animation can be just as human as anything on the silver screen there's something completely mm. unique about it there's something unique about um, the Kerfman's work anyway you know through Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind everything he's done has that unique comedy it has that unique world view I, could, I at the time when I watched it I could relate I related to every single bit of frustration that the character was going through the attachment to the to the real world and it, it moved me entirely and, and the sex you know, scene is so ta- tangible in it and it's so it's, it's yeah, so kind of awkward despite being yeah, animation exactly it's like it, it really feels well. so real that mm. scene you know and it's animation so kudos obviously we'll see you know, what the rest okay. of the year brings, but right now that'd be hard to top. Kudos to Charlie Kaufman. Um, we'll see. We'll do another list at the end of the year um, and we'll see, um, and then we can see if Anomalisa um, and the Neon Demon and others are still 
in your list and you still think deserve a place in the top 10. Um, it's our equivalent of the Oscars, essentially. We're going to give the award for best film at the end of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Anomalisa, guys. So go and see that. That's come from uh, straight from the horse's mouth, as it were, straight straight from the Screen One on One podcast chappies. Um, so let's move on. Anomalisa. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I think we're going to sign out now. Um, it's the end of our podcast. Um, John, do you have anything interesting that you want to say to the listeners before we leave? This is the end. Yeah, um, I do have this a... This is the uh, end. Exactly. I want to have a shout-out to... My um, only... Nick. Um, I want to have a shout-out to um, Frightfest, which is happening at the end of August. Um, I'm working as a uh, front of house manager, so if anybody wants to uh, volunteer, please email us at our podcast. Screen101.podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, and you get free films and free goodie bags. And... Free love. Free love. John, I think that sounds like the most interesting thing. And I might myself be volunteering if it's free love. What kind of love are, you, are we talking about here? The love of horror films, of course. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. You know where to email us if you want to discuss films, volunteer for Fright Fest, um, or any other mad kind of thing that you want to say. If you want to hurl abuse at us um, as well. Um, yeah, just at Nick. <laughs> yeah, no. All right. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.